Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the God Cells podcast. I'm Eric Marola. Today is June 2nd, 2021, and I just returned from MCell for the first time since September of 2019. I received my own therapy while there and did a lot of filming at MCell. It was my first visit to MCell's new clinic while filming the sequel to The God Cells documenting various Americans who are getting fetal stem cell therapy at MCell for a variety of reasons. For example, I have been following two families with autistic children since 2019 that I documented and will continue to follow up on who are showing great progress. I filmed an intrathecal procedure, which is when M-cells doctors inject the fetal neuronal brain cells directly into the spinal canal for a Parkinson's patient who is also showing great progress. I filmed a woman with lung damage who was the first American to receive fetal lung cells inhaled directly into her lungs. A tennis player with various sports injuries, including injured knees, who is already showing great progress. And I filmed every minute of my own therapy where I even got fetal eye cells injected into my eye sockets. And I will be returning to M-Cell July 18 through 24, and again in September of this year to continue production by following more and more patients. But most exciting of all, I filmed and toured M-Cell's newest state-of-the-art, one-of-a-kind fetal stem cell harvesting, sorting, testing, and storing facility and laboratory. And it's a mind blower. So much so, I will be releasing an extended edit online of this tour, plus an extended interview with the lead scientist running the show behind the scenes. While there, I met an American who I wasn't planning on documenting, being treated for the first time for multiple sclerosis. His name is Scott, and he is 52 years old, and he's the conversation for today's podcast. While I spent an hour with Scott in his clinic room to meet him in person for the first time, I decided to follow up with him after I returned home, only to have him report fabulous news about his progress. So much so, I asked him if I could call him up and record our conversation for today's podcast. If you are listening to this and want to continue to stay tuned to my future releases of podcasts or new videos I'm releasing, just subscribe to the God Cells YouTube channel, follow me, Eric Marola, or the God Cells on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or sign up to my mailing list at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A.com. Or if you just want to ask me a question or want to learn more about fetal stem cell therapy, you can always email me at eric at ericmarola.com. Because without meeting new people like yourself shooting me an email after usually seeing my first documentary on this subject, I wouldn't be able to keep track of all of these amazing people I've met and will continue to meet to make these podcasts and new material about this incredibly life-changing innovative technology. Like Scott today, who emailed me after watching The God Cells and decided to be treated the same week I was in Ukraine this past April. My website is ericmarola.com, and the website for this documentary series is stemcellsmovie.com. I hope you enjoy today's podcast with Scott discussing his exciting results only a month after receiving his first therapy for multiple sclerosis. Hey, Eric. Hey, Scott. How you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm better than good. Well, I'm normal. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good thing. 
<laughs> well, it's been a long time since I felt normal. And, you know, since I've been back, people always ask me, well, how do you feel? You know what I mean? They think it's this magic bullet. And I'm like, well, I still have MS, but I feel normal. And, you know, to a lot of people, that's not a big deal. But when I don't stress about getting in out of the shower or walking up and down stairs, it's a big deal. Sure. Yeah. You know, so. people, a lot of us, including myself, um, you know, we take for granted the normal feeling. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to explain unless it's it's kind of been stripped away from you for a while. You don't really you compensate and you're used to compensating and you're like, well, it's not that bad. It's amazing what, you know, a human being can get used to. But for me, I was like, I was at the end, you know, I was like, I got diagnosed after six years and, uh, with not much fanfare and kind of like, well, here's this drug and it's 70 K a year if you want to take it, but it's not going to make you better. And there's a laundry list of side effects. Right. So, you know, I'm glad I made the decision that I did. Uh, remind me, so you were, that's right, you were basically faced with taking this drug and then you said, okay, hmm, and then and then you decided to go to MSL? Just remind me of sort of the timeline. Well, I mean, I had gone to doctors all over the United States, actually, mm -hmm. um, like 17 of them. Okay. And none of them would pull the trigger and said that I had MS, even though I had all the symptoms. Right. So finally, I did go to an MS specialist and he said, well, I'm going to say you have primary progressive MS looking at your charts and everything from the last six years. He goes, but you don't really meet the criteria unless we do a spinal tap. And I said to him, I was like, well, if I meet all the criteria except that one, wouldn't you just say it's MS? And he's like, well, you know, and I was like, well, it's a billable service, basically. I already knew I had a mess at that point. You know, I was just looking for some kind of confirmation. But meanwhile, while he's telling me that he needs to do the spinal tap, he's handing me these glossy pamphlets for this super expensive drug. For MS. You know? Yeah. The drug that treats um, specifically MS. Yeah. Well, it's the only <laughs> FDA drug approved for people with primary progressive MS, but it's not really for that. It's more for remitting relapsing MS, which I don't have. Okay. So, you know, that was kind of like a red flag in my mind. And uh, so I went home and I was like, I'll think about it. Um, but I had been researching stem cells for years before this, like all kinds. You know, there's tons of different kinds, you know, four different kinds. And people don't realize that. And they, they think they're getting a bill of goods that they're not. But, you know, in the United States, if you, all my doctors are in the same hospital. So I have access to their notes whenever I want them. Mm-hmm. So I go and I look at um, the MS specialist's notes, and he's like, patient diagnosed with primary progressive MS. I was like, how can he do that if he said he couldn't without the spinal tap? And then two days later, I got like three phone calls from different progressive MS studies in my state that he had signed me up for. And I'm all like, uh, you know, I, I was <laughs> done with the, the U.S. medical system at that point in time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, um, I fired all my doctors. Um, I found new doctors and funny enough, it's, you know, my new neurologist is from Belarus and, uh, my cardiologist, cause I have also a heart issue is from, uh, Eastern Germany. Okay. So, um, and they're both kind of, they get why I went to M cell, 
they uh my neurologist basically told me he's like look this is not going this medicine in america is not going to help you mm-hmm. he's like it, it's basically them selling you hope you, you know you staying the same it may be getting worse with you know side effects he's like go to m cell so he was pretty much behind me the whole thing which is i can't wait to see him i see him in two weeks oh that's great yeah yeah <clears throat> uh, i'm very so, looking forward to that too what's the t- uh, name of this medication that they wanted to give you it's the ones on tv all the time Macrovis. okay all right you know i i mean and that's my other issue it's like look if you're spending this much money on commercial ads on tv for you know a drug that treats a uncurable disease that isn't a huge part of the population that should also be a red flag to people i think you know what i mean sure yeah it's like i'm watching the super bowl and i'm seeing a commercial for ms medicine and I'm thinking to myself, how many people really have MS or are going to need to take this medication? And if they do have MS, they already know about it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so the FDA and like the American medical system is they're not my enemy, so to speak. You know, I mean, they do a lot of good, but I just I feel like they're kind of hamstringed at times. You know. Yeah. I mean, as I yeah, you could I could uh, go on for ages about it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're trusting your intuition and you're a smart guy and you're seeing all the writing on the wall. Yeah, it's, it goes without saying, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. lot about capitalism here, and yeah. I get that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I understand people need to make money, but however, it's like at what cost, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't get rich by curing people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the issue I have. That's true. It's just, um, that's the way the system is designed. Um, you know, like it goes back to my early days of working on these documentaries involving cancer, you know, as a, an annual billing as annual billable, like, like bills for a cancer patient is around like a bottom barrel is like a quarter million a year. And then you multiply that times everyone living with cancer right now, it's like $4 trillion across planet Earth. Like just as just to talk about cancer for a minute. So if you found something that would knock that out, I mean, it would be detrimental to the economy. And your diagnosis is a, such a small portion of the population, as you said. Um, but, and there you go. You attach a $70,000 a year price tag to your diagnosis. And how many years would you take that? So seven times, say, five years, 350 grand of billable um, invoices, you know. Yeah, plus yeah. doctors, plus, yeah. you know, everything else. And that's why, like, to me, it was a no-brainer because I did the cost analysis of going to MSL or, you know, doing this treatment that probably would give me some terrible side effect. I was like, this is, this is a no-brainer. I mean, this is just really common sense. It's not, it's not even – I mean, you don't even have to be a doctor or, you know, have to have a half a brain to figure it out. And it's, it's weird because my brother-in-law – the reason I live in Alabama, because, you know, I lived in Los Angeles and, and New York City, like you, you have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wound up in Alabama. People always say, well, how'd you wind up there? And it's my brother-in-law at the time had stage four cancer and he went to Tennessee and they did HSCT, which is where they take your bone marrow and spin out the stem cells and reinject it and give you chemo. Yeah. And now he's been cancer free like 12 years. Mm-hmm. What kind I of mean, cancer was it, though? He had lymphatic cancer. Right. Yeah. Those are actually quite treatable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I mean, like he's been like literally cancer free for 12 years by, you know, this basically they're his own stem cells 
So, I mean, that that alone was always in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? But, you know, like, like you said in one of your um, presentations, you're like, you know, fetal stem cells are like the Cadillac with the horse and buggy surrounding it, basically, mm-hmm. of stem cells. When I found out about it, I watched your documentary. I was up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, feeling sorry for myself, whatever, and I started watching it, and I was like, huh. <laughs> and I reached out, and you, you were gracious enough to put me in touch with the right people, and um, then the pandemic hit. So, you know, I waited it out, and uh, I was a little nervous, actually, because, you know, Russia was building up their forces on the border, and... You know, COVID was in full swing, but I was like, I'm, I'm going, you know, this is, this is, you know, and I'm so glad I did. It was a life changing experience. I'm happy you did as well. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that your friends must have been like, okay, so let me get this straight, Scott. You got Russian troops on the border, 40,000 troops. You got a pandemic, a global pandemic, and you're going to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. I think my friends were just like, but, but all my friends, you know, I've, most of my friends I've, you know, know the whole deal and they knew that I was going to go do this and they were really super supportive. And then, you know, when I got back, everybody called and, you know, it was like, these are our phone conversations. These aren't like five minute phone conversations. And, and, you know, two of my best friends were like, look, you know, there is nobody better than you than standing in a bar with a drink in his hand and a cigarette talking about (laughs) absolutely nothing. Now you have something to talk about. (laughs) Go tell the world about this because people have to know. That's awesome. You know, and I was like, I, I lost some friends actually when I first was, you know, telling people that I was going to do this. I think I'd mentioned that to you that, you know, like because of religious beliefs or whatever, they were just like, you can't go do this. And I'm all like, yes, yes, I can. Because if you're not in my situation or your child isn't in this kind of situation, you don't know what you do. Exactly. Also, too, I mean, I've even heard, I've even interviewed born-again Christians who have had this, who have said, you know, this is what God would have wanted. I mean, this is going to be thrown away anyway. I mean, that's what I tell people. I was like, I got injected with medical waste, basically. Yeah. It's a little more complicated than that, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of life, because, you know, some people you really need to dumb things down for. (laughs) Right. Right. For lack of a better word, you know, and, uh, I was like, look, this, this can, in your documentary, there was a gentleman with his son Mm -hmm. he had brought to MCEL and he said, you know, if God didn't want me to use this, he would have made this available. And I was like, exactly. You know, and if, if that's your belief system, that's fine. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not against religion. I'm not against politics. I'm not against any of that stuff. I don't care. I'm just doing what's best for me personally And, and trying to share like, my story that so that people in america understand that you don't have to live like this you don't have to throw i mean i was ready you know i'd wake up every morning ready to put a noose around my neck basically you know because i was like my life wasn't my life anymore i wasn't recognizing the person i was i was watching it slowly deteriorate and it's a horrible feeling if you don't mind since we're on that scott because i know um you're experiencing this and you're so close to it right now, but for people listening to this, particularly somebody that might be in your exact position, kind of describe like the last, I don't know, year or so of your life leading up to going. And then this sort of incredibly, it's only been two, how, wait, hold on. It's been more than two. How long has it been since we've been there? No, it'll, it'll be three weeks on Friday. Three weeks on my last. Okay. So we're not even talking about a month and the doctors generally say, wait up to three months to start seeing really good results. And I will say in my experience, speaking to different people like yourself, it's kind of all over the place. Some people will 
kind of mope around and then three months later go, oh my God, something's happening. And then while others uh, have fast results like you do, and it's sort of a big question mark as to why this works so quickly for some and slow more slowly for others. I can only assume that age and how long you've been diagnosed, all kinds of things can be a factor here. Um, and you being, you know, 52 is still young, you know, anyway, but give me like the sort of the quick, like where you were and where you are now, um, just for people listening. Well, I mean, you know, I've had it for six years basically, mm -hmm. but it was a year ago that I got diagnosed with, you know, the basic final, Hey, this is what you have. And even, you know, you, you met my girlfriend. I mean, her, her thing is like the day you got that diagnosis, your life changed. She's like, you became a different man. And my progression actually sped up because I just wasn't in the mindset. I was like, I'd been through so many doctors and, and so many, well, it could be this. Well, we don't know. Well, we'll see in six months. We'll do a follow up. And I'm like, I don't have six months. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was pretty miserable, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'm so thankful that Lisa, you know, stuck it out because I was a horrible individual. You know, I just, I did, there was no joy from anything. I mm -hmm. was just basically waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'd given up, mm -hmm. you know, and I was destined to live with this. And then, you know, I saw the documentary and I, you know, I'd been doing research about Panama and Germany and, but I was like, you know, it's a lot of money. You know what I mean? It, it, I mean, it's not in the grand scheme of it. It's not compared to what you would pay for, you know, in co-pays and prescriptions and everything else. It's actually less if you do the math. And a whole um, lot less than the $70,000 a year drug they were trying to give you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Plus, you know, my insurance coverage and, you know, my co-pays and, and prescriptions. So, yeah, it's, it's way less. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I, I was miserable up until the time I left. And, you know, just before I left, I was trying to get in the mindset. I was like, this is my shot. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and be really positive, you know, mm -hmm. for the best possible outcome. Mm-hmm. But about two weeks before I left, my dad, who's got diabetes, wound up having his leg amputated. Um, you know, I had elderly dogs that were passing away. And, you know, my mind was not, even the whole time in Kiev, I was not in the mindset of this is going to work. Wow. You know, I was, I was just kind of there. But the day after my treatment, you know, nothing going on. So we went out and, and saw the city. And, uh, you know, you know where my hotel is, you know, near Freedom Square. Yeah. Um, I actually had walked up to the monastery up on the hill, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a pretty good hike. I went and we walked down to the art walk and the other Gold Dome Church. Mm -hmm. We did the whole art walk. And, you know, the streets are old. They're cobblestone. They're up and down. They're uneven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wound up walking like almost five miles the day after my last treatment. I haven't walked five miles in one day in, in years. Wow. And my girlfriend looked at me, and I looked at her, and I was like, I wasn't fatigued. I wasn't miserable. I was like, let's go have dinner, you know? And I was just, so at that point, like a switch clicked on, and I'm like, look, this is like less than 12 hours after my last treatment. Meaning after your second or third day. How many days did you have? Two third, days? After my third day. Okay. So 12 hours after your third day. Okay. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing, you know? And I was like, in it. I was able to bend my knee in a 90 degree, you know, uh, angle to get in and out of a shower, which I haven't been able to do in years. Wow. And I was just like, and I told everybody, if I'm 20% better than when I left, I would be happy. I would say I'm 80 to 85% better than I was. And it's only been three weeks. 
That's awesome. Okay, so aside from the 90 degree angle with the leg, like getting in and out of the shower, um, like what are other specific things um, that are different? Well, well, I had, you know, like pins and needles, constant tingling in my hands and feet, mm -hmm. completely gone. Wow. Um, I would have to wear gloves in the house because my hands were always ice cold. Okay, wow. My body, my body temperature, my feet and hands have been regulated. Yeah, that's, no, I don't have yeah. have that. That's great. Yeah, just by the way, I mean, because of the uh, the uh, liver cells, um, which are the precursors to the bone marrow and the um, sort of blood system, they almost immediately start building new capillaries, and your cardiovascular system just goes boof, um, on this well, therapy, which yeah, makes. Yeah, I mean that was the thing because like they had also injected me with some cardio cells because of my heart issues. Yep. Yep. Like I had bruising on the bottom of my foot because I had dropped foot for so many years and my foot would slam down. All the bruising on the bottom of my foot is gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, the grinding in my hips is gone. I sleep so much better. I mean, there was one side effect. I had a sty in my eye for about two years and I've taken all kinds of drugs to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's it's completely gone. <laughs> <laughs> and if if that's the worst side effect, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whoa. Okay. Yes. I have noticed that interesting changes in my eyes, but not like change in my prescription, but my eyes like just become more lubricated and uh, just kind of just feel better. So you had a sty in your eye for two years and, and how fast did that go away? It went away in four days completely. Wow. Okay. You didn't have the eye socket injections like that? No. I, no? Okay. No. And, wow. and the weird thing is I wear glasses and I was reading the other day and my girlfriend's like, you can read that? And I'm like, yep. Wow. I have heard some people say this, like what you just said about reading, um, but I, I, I have not experienced that because uh, I've got a horrible prescription eyes. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, like the, the worst, you know, because everybody's always worried about side effects. I'm a, that's my biggest thing because I've had, well, this is the whole thing. It goes back to like before I was diagnosed. You know, I had a couple heart attacks in uh, 2010, 2011. And, uh, you know, it was pretty devastating at the time. I was a young guy. I was 42. Mm -hmm. And it took me a lot to, to want to live again after that because I was just devastated. And I started training to run uh, marathons. Okay. Something I'd ne never done before. And basically, they had switched my cholesterol drug. And I was spending like seven hours a day at the gym running, you know, stupid amounts of miles. And about two weeks after they put, changed my prescription, I, I couldn't walk. I woke up one morning and I couldn't walk. So I was like, is this a coincidence or, you know, what did I change? This is what I changed this prescription drug. And the side effects is like muscle loss and, you know, joint pain and this, that, and the other thing. And, and, you know, I went to the doctor and he's like, yeah, we're going to take you off that prescription because that's, that's really common. But then it never got better. And then they said, oh, that's not what it was. You have MS. So I'm all like, who's right? Who's wrong? I don't really believe in coincidences. So, you know, side effects are a big issue for me. And, you know, I did my research at MSL. They, they've never had any side effects in like 20 plus years. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that for a minute. So, yeah, because we are also conditioned everything like a drug, um, even sometimes supplements have side effects. So we're so programmed and conditioned to think. Uh, okay, well, what are the side effects, which is totally a legitimate question. But then when you tell people, um, no, no, zero side effects, um, they go, they just look like they don't think you're telling the truth. Um, and that if, and I always say, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you spend the money and absolutely nothing happens. But, uh, you know, the only side effects are all, all positive, all, you know, there's just never been a negative side effect to this because it's just 
well-honed humming technology that has been worked on for decades that they've mastered, you know? Um, and, uh, and by, by the way, like, you know, of course the only bad side effect that could occur is if there was some kind of contamination, but I did a, an extensive tour of this lab this time around, um, even more so than from the original documentary, cause it's a new lab. Anyway, I'm going to be releasing this in long form. Like I'll release like an hour long edit of this whole lab tour. And I watched them talk me through how they test everything. It's all triple tested. Yes, correct. Not only do they triple test the cells, but before they even do that, they get a blood sample from the donor and they test it for HIV, hepatitis, you name it. And if anything shows up from the donor, um, they'll just go up oh, that we're not touching this. And even though the material and the blood donor blood comes in at the same time, because they have to act so quickly once the mm -hmm. um, uh, abortion occurs. Um, but yeah, so of course, if the donor is clean, then they'll still test it three times, almost like, you know, I, like literally, like you have three different sets of people testing it through the same three you know, tests. Um, and, uh, and if they, all three run clean, um, then yeah, it's okay to good to go. So it's, yeah. So that's why they've never yeah. had any issues. So, I mean, you walk in that, the, the new clinic, you know, and it's, it's pretty breathtaking. The whole thing, it's like Star Trek or something. It's pretty crazy and it's so clean and just, I mean, I, I've been to a lot of hospitals over the past six years mm -hmm. and you know, there's nothing I could compare that to at all yeah. you know i mean it's and even the the quality of care and and the nurses and the technicians and the translator down to the driver down to you know to the to my doctor but okay. i mean it was just anything i needed explained or you know i mean she was almost annoyed that i didn't need as much explained because i'd done so much research you know <laughs> <laughs> and she's like don't you want i'm like no i'm good you know i was like <laughs> I, I've been, you know, researching this for a year because I've been locked in because of the pandemic. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I was going to go just before that, and then I was going to go in December, and then you know it, they got locked down again, and it was an issue. And so, you know, when, as soon as it was open enough that I felt comfortable, I was like, "We're going." You know, let's get on the plane and go. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm going to actually go back next year and probably, you know, do an, another round, just depending on where I am in nine months. Sure. I mean, clearly, I recommend it. I mean, I know it's hard to say that because I know it's not cheap, but um, I've just done, even me who is healthy, I've done so much work to understand how it works. And each therapy literally, I know you know this, but it literally builds on the last therapy. And um, I have a long session with the, their lead scientist who no one usually ever meets this person because she's busy behind the scenes on the lab side. And she's also the one that's sort of in charge of cherry picking each individual patient's cells based because as you know it's very personalized yeah. but she's the one that is sort of like the i don't know the, the grand master you know fetal stem cell person <laughs> behind the, anyway but but i've been having my um is i was one of the early people to have my telomeres tested what's under what's called the flow cytometer method it's uh what it gets the it takes a takes a picture of your uh blood cells uh uh, so you can actually see the telomere length. It's much more advanced than some of these consumer telomere, uh, you know, uh, services in the United States. Not only have my telomeres grown significantly since my first therapy, but the, the the percentage of long telomeres went up like ninefold. Actually, no, more like twenty-five fold. Like from 0.2 percent to like eight and a half percent of the 
the, the population of my telomeres are long. So the reason I say this is the whole point is this goes back to you going back. These cells stay in you. And the reason they did this test and they, uh, I, they wanted me to be a part of this study because they knew I was going to keep coming back, uh, based on my excitement and passion towards this is that is to try to prove that once and for all. So they had like more than a dozen others, local Ukrainians. I was the only American in this sort of study. Anyway, that's all I'm trying to say. So it's like each go ahead. Yeah. I, I saw a thing that you did with a longevity guru kind of guy yeah, yeah. and it went to that whole telomere thing. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's just in America, it's like, I, and I just want to tell everybody, it's like, I almost want to slap them in the back of the head. It's tough. And, you yeah. know, and they're, <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, it'll be, I was like, first of all, it's never going to be available here. It's not going to happen. If they ever find a way to make money off of this in America, like stupid amounts of money, it will happen. But but the problem is you, you won't be able to afford it then. Yeah. These maybe. guys have been doing this for like 25 plus years. Though with Dr. What's the guy's name from himself? The guy that started it. Um, well, there's two of them. There's Smigadoop and Karpenko. I mean, like those two guys invented this thing, you know, that's their lives work. I've read papers that they've published in medical publications, you know, but in America, nobody knows who these two guys are. And they're like on the cusp of the whole longevity health curing uncurable diseases helping you know children and people with autism parkinson's i mean these guys you know should be Nobel peace prize winners sure yeah but you know they're like who (laughs) it's like you know you have to do your research i think a lot of people especially in america just kind of take their doctor's word for it and the way i look at it it's like look doctors go to school and they have a basic understanding but everybody's body's different and they learn how to write prescriptions. That's what they learn. You know what I mean? It's like they're putting a band-aid on a hatchet wound. It just, it doesn't work. It's kind of how the system is designed. Um, in fact, it's exactly how the system is designed. I mean, there's a certain protocol of education and uh, the, the industry is heavily involved in the educational system. I mean, they even sponsor and write most of the textbooks, honestly. But, and then they get out and this is what they know. It's, they're, they're, uh, they, they are, um, you know, delegated to a box they have to work within. And the box works quite well for a lot of people. But for, you know, but when you start to talk to them about this therapy, it's their job to tell you it's a bad idea, um, well, even if they understand. For me, it. like the doctors, they don't even know. They look at me like, you know, I'm talking a foreign language. They look like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it is a foreign language to them. It's completely a foreign language to them. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's like, look, you've been an MS doctor for 30 years. You should like at least know about this procedure. But you're like, completely clueless and like that doesn't instill confidence in me you know what i mean at all it's like should i have your job (laughs) (laughs) you know i could hand out a glossy pamphlet for 70 grand a year and say well there's your best bet like you know my 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 neurologist being from belarus you know his whole thing was like he knew all about it you know, right. was this was this was not a foreign language to him, and this is why he's my doctor. You know what I mean? I forego the MS specialist just to have a neurologist who kind of grasped the whole concept. He's like, he's like, don't buy the hope they're selling you here. I'm like, but you work here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we all have to make a living, so yeah, I get it. Um, speaking of doctors, so your neurologist um, that you're going to see him in two weeks, correct? Yeah, the 14th, I believe I see him. Okay, and how many times have you seen this particular neurologist? Well, I've seen him three times. It's a really weird story because the first time I went to him, 
he told me I had a vitamin B12 deficiency and I shouldn't cross my legs because I had, it was causing neuropathy and that's why I was having the problems I was having. And he's like, I'll see any, uh, oh, and he gave me a Doppler, you know, where they put the needles in your muscle and your leg and your nerves to conduct nerves. Mm-hmm. So he said, look, you have, you have neuropathy. Um, I'll see you in a year. Well, that didn't go over too well with me. Didn't mm-hmm. really, you know. Then I talked to my primary care doctor and she goes, well, maybe you should go back to him. And I went back and saw him and he's like, I'm so sorry. He, and he's, she's like, you need to go to an MS specialist went to the guy and that was the guy with the shiny brochure and you know the whatever trying to sign me up for all these things telling me i i didn't have the disease because i wouldn't confirm it with a billable service so you know that guy was off off out of the chart went back to see my neurologist would be the third time and this is when we started to to really talk where he was like getting to know where my mindset was you know where i was like hey this is what i'm going to do and he was like absolutely (laughs) <laughs> you know he's like i'm looking forward to it and he, and he he went as far as to say hey can you send me the m cell site you know is there any way i can be in contact with the doctor there so i stay in the loop so if something does happen you know i, I i'm knowledgeable about this and you know i could take care of you and i was like this is the doctor i want that's great so so, so, then, so let me be clear the doctor from belarus is your neurologist yes okay wow yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's definitely, he's an interesting guy, you know, I, I don't really like doctors for the most part because I think they're selling me a bill of goods, mm-hmm. but, you know, he was brutally honest with me, and that's, that's all I asked for, you know, don't sugarcoat it, don't tell me if I take this, I'm going to be fine, if I do this, I'm going to be fine, because I'm probably not, just, t- just tell me worst case scenario, Sure. you know, which, which a lot of people I'm sure don't want to know. But, you know, when you have an uncurable disease and you make peace with that, what what more can somebody tell you that's going to make it worse? You know what I mean? I know. I mean, my idol, one of my my biggest musical influences actually died from progressive MS at like 51 or 52. He's a bass player of the faces, Ronnie Lane. Okay. Um, He had an MS foundation. I mean, he died broken, penniless. Rod Stewart actually paid for his medical upkeep. Wow. And in the time he was alive, he did the hyperbaric oxygen chamber. He did the bee stings. He did the, he went to Florida and had rattlesnake venom injected in him. Because mm-hmm. when you're at that point, you'll pretty much do anything to feel normal. It's not even about feeling good. It's about feeling normal. Wow. You know? Wow, Scott. This is pretty exciting. This is, I mean, honestly, watching what's going on with you is why I keep doing this. So... You know, and, and like I said, it's like my uh, one of my oldest, dearest friends was like, he's like, you got to tell people about this, you know, and, and and the guy in my band was like, you know, we have a friend that had a stroke and, you know, he lost some use of his hand and he's like, you got to get Mark to go to M cell, you know, even if even if it just lifts his spirits up, you know, just he's he's got to do something because they're not helping him here, you know. Yeah, I mean, it does really good. Like I said earlier, um, the cardiovascular side of this is so remarkable. And it also made me really sad to hear about your father getting his leg amputated for diabetes because um, this, you know, could could still could help have him. prevented it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it well, could have, no guarantee, but, you know, it could also still help him from any further damage. Um, but yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he, he had actually gotten a, 
a scratch on his foot and it got infected and turned gangrene. That's that's what had it amputated. Uh, okay. you know? I mean, he just yeah. he, it was it was it. I mean, because he has diabetes, you know, people they have you know they get cuts or whatever. Chances of infection is like tenfold. So. I mean, he didn't treat it properly, and it, it's really sad. But it, it, you know, it, it could have been avoided. Yeah. All right. So, sort of, I'm gonna go back to you for a minute. So, you had neuropathy essentially in your hands and feet, plus tingling in the hands and feet, which kind of goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. And plus, I, you know, the coldness, you know, that's gone. Yep. That's awesome. What about just sort of your overall mobility differences? I mean. Well, I mean, here's the weird thing. It's like I told you after, you know, 12 hours after my last treatment, I walked five miles, which I, I hadn't right. walked that one. But, I mean, you know, I can get up and down the stairs. I mean, I still have a little bit of drop foot. Mm -hmm. But, like, when I did the physical therapy at MCEL, and, uh, I mean, it wasn't anything I didn't know. It was, he was like, look, because you've been doing walking this way for so long, you know, your muscles have atrophied and your hip flexors and, you know, you know the cartilage near your legs and the muscles he's like you know you gotta re basically i need to relearn to walk and you know so he, i got a flash drive with my physical therapy exercises that was made at emso and i watch that and i do that every day and it, it's it gets better you know yep. it does that's great that's great yeah yeah and you know like i've gone through physical therapy here like three or four times because that's like the script they write me mm-hmm and, you know, I go do it and it is what it is. And, you know, but the weird thing is, is when Anatoly, he's one of the physical therapists at himself, you know, everything that he showed me was completely opposite of what I learned here in America. Wow. Tell me more about that. You know, because when, when someone tells you to do an exercise in a therapy, they, they're looking for the greatest range. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you want you want to do it so you're like tensing your body you're stressing and he's all like what are you doing he's like it looks like your head's gonna explode and he's like no he goes if you can't do it don't do it he goes you will be able to do it in time make smaller movements like you know one centimeter then maybe you know next week two centimeters but but build up at your own pace whereas in america they're just like you know move a foot <laughs> you know, or, 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 and he's like, it's like, no, these are micro movements, you know, and and it was just, it was like such a different experience than he was like being so gentle and telling me completely opposite of he's like, don't stress yourself, don't overexert yourself, you know. He goes, it'll come in time. Whereas in America, you know, it's like mild mannered, you know, whatever. Physical therapist is all like move two feet, move two feet. And I'm just like, oh man, I can't, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but like it, it works and I understand that, you know, I mean, you got to do the work, you know, it's like, I said, there is no magic bullet. Sure. You know, I'm always going to have MS. I understand that, you know, this basically is buying time and helping my quality of life. Yeah. Which is really all, all the most important thing here, really. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, like I said, I feel normal, which isn't a big deal. Like I like myself again because I didn't like myself for a very long time. That's awesome, Scott. Wow. I, I you know, and it, even like people I talk to have noticed they're like, you know, you sound different. You're much happier. You're not, you know, doom and gloom. You know, you're, you're more optimistic when it comes to certain things. Whereas I, I just lost my lust for life, to be honest with you. 
Sure. I was just like, it was kind of sad, you know, and it's hard being in your head when you're like that. So, you know, I'm very, I'm so thankful that I, I got this opportunity. I'm glad I, you know, saw the gods. And I, I, I tell everybody to watch that movie. You know what I mean? It's just like, and you know, people are reaching out to me who, who through friends of friends who are like, you know, my sister has MS or, you know, uh, my brother has MS. And I'm like, here, watch this movie. Here's the website to, to M cell do your research. You know, there's no guarantee but it is specialized for you. You'll be well taken care of. Kiev's a beautiful place. I was like, make a make a educated decision. I was like, I have no regrets. That's awesome. You know, and it goes without saying know. too, because I'm going to be back there a few more times this year. If you want to share my email, you're welcome to. Um, you know, just like how you and I met, even though we didn't spend a lot of time with each other, but it's something kind of cool about having sort of a semi familiar person also there with you. You know. No, it was so, great, and yeah. I, I so enjoyed meeting you and your wife, and you know, getting that little bit of time we had to, to just talk about art. It wasn't even about M Cell, you right. know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people know what an amazing artist you are. You know, <laughs> I paint, and you know, you lived in New York, I lived in New York, I lived in LA, you live in Los Angeles. You know, I, I just it was very easy to talk to you because I, I feel like you know we, we kind of we're totally different, but we have the same kind of thing. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean totally. I feel the same way. Yeah. So, and like, you know, people were asking me about Kiev, you know what I mean? That's enough about my sickness, you know? <laughs> people ask me, you know, because a lot of people don't speak English there. I was trying to explain this to my mom that I was like being there kind of restored my faith in humanity, if that makes any sense. You know what? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Because... You know, like when I lived in Los Angeles, you know, there are people that speak all kinds of languages, just like in New York. And nine out of ten times, somebody comes up to you and speaks a different language, and you don't understand them. It's like you light a cigarette and you walk the other way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But there, it's like I thought I was annoying people by not understanding completely what they were saying. But, like, they're, they're on their phone taking out Google Translator. They're bent over backwards just to, you know, try to have some kind of communication um, I met a guy on the street walking a dog um, who actually happened to go to college in London. And, you know, he invited me and Lisa. He's like, I'll show you around. You know, he spoke English. He's like, you know, I know it's hard here because not a lot of people speak English. He goes, I live up the street. He's like, you know, with my mom, I'm off of work this week. I'll show-. I was just like, wow, this is crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, was, it was like people are genuinely human. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it is remarkable. Like I've gotten, cause I've gone there so often I've gotten to know a lot of the local, like, uh, like staff from the restaurants. So I'll be gone. I haven't been there in two years and I walked back in for the first time in two years, the same trip you were there and all the same people are there like, wow, you know, <laughs> like, and they uh, will bend over backwards for you and do any favor for you. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is. I'm glad you felt the same way. Yeah. It's remarkable. Like the concierge at our hotel played professional football, soccer in Denver for four years. And because his English was so bad, he couldn't get a job. He had to go back and become a concierge at this, this hotel. And, you know, but I understood what he was saying. Um, you know, and everybody there was so nice. I mean, I, I got to go around, you know, all around the Madon and, you know, went to, uh, you know, went to the witch bar. But I mean, it was it was amazing how just like warm and genuine these people were, you know, and they wanted to share their history and their culture. And it was and I've been to a lot of places, 
you know, it's not like I've been stuck in one state my entire life. I mean, I've, I've traveled pretty extensively through Europe and all across America. Yeah, you know, I'm glad so. you feel this way because this is also kind of the extra bonus about me going back um, so much. It's not just always, I mean, it is always about continuing to film more and me now working on a second documentary. And of course, me getting the therapy or taking a close friend or family member there uh, to get the therapy. But yeah, the, the experience in Kiev is such an enjoyable one. That it's such a warm, fuzzy, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, time. And, I, and I've it's been very Eastern European. Yeah, I've been to a lot of places too. And my wife is from Poland, so I've been all over Eastern Europe. And you know, I've been to Germany, London, China, Japan. But Kiev still remains as one of my most favorite places to revisit. I mean, it's it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But to spend time with you know the people at Encel and uh, you know just to meet you and the, just the people around my hotel and in the restaurants, they were they were so nice. And I, it made me realize. Um, like Lisa had gotten sick when we got back mm -hmm. and I had to take her to the hospital. So and she... I was sitting in the, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was, I was sitting in the, the hospital with her and just watching. Cause that's what I do. You know, it's like I observe stuff and I was like, Oh my God, this is horrible. You know I mean? The, like the doctor came in and like three seconds gave her a diagnosis without even basically talking to her and walked out of the room. And I was like, how, how can you make a conscious diagnosis in three seconds? I was like, that's crazy. It is a weird contrast after spending uh, three days at MCL and then having to end up in an American hospital with uh, Lisa so fast afterwards. It must have been weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you know, but she, you know, she wants to go back to MCL because she has that uh, COPD thing and now yeah. they have that new treatment there. So um, we had talked to them about coming back for her also, you know, for a two day treatment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, filmed, I think I told you, I filmed the first, um, I guess, American probably that had the uh, uh, inhalation therapy of the fetal lung cells. Um, for those listening, um, your your uh, girlfriend basically had like a bit of a, like, a, I guess, uh, some breathing issues because she has, she's missing part of a lung. Is that correct? She's missing the top lobe of one of her lungs. She has COPD and asthma. Okay. So anyway, you were telling me, oh my gosh, you know, my girlfriend is uh, not feeling well, you know, if I can get one of these devices. And I was like, what, what does she have? What, you know, and then you explained it all to me. I said, why did you not think about getting her therapy? <laughs> you know, cause this is perfect. Like you're sitting here right now in Keith. Anyway, just for people listening. So they're not confused, but yeah, so, when, so I was suggesting that, you know, she would be a great candidate. Oh, I, their doctors have to first approve this, but for this, uh, inhalation, uh, therapy of fetal yeah. lung cells, but I got to see, and speak to the lead scientists about this. So they actually uh, used a 3D printer and built this special device uh, that they used. They did like several different devices till they perfected it. And I filmed the first American using this device, uh, breathing in the fetal lung cells. It's still early to see how she's gonna do, but anyway, so yeah, I'll let you know if this woman, it's, I think yeah, cause No, cause you know, when I go back, at least that's the goal that we're both gonna just deal with what we need to deal with when we're there cool cool yeah 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 so i mean you know i think it would be fantastic for her because you know i mean it's it's tough living that way you don't know if you're going to stop breathing in your sleep and not wake up she's like at least this way i, I maybe take that fear away sure maybe yeah yeah i mean you know it's it, it, you know the mental part of the whole treatment was i think bigger than the physical part at least for me you know i mean uh, mentally i i am so much better than I was, you know, I mean, that's, that's I was at the that. end of my rope and now I'm, I'm looking forward to every day, you know? 
Sure. You know, it did kind of sleep up, you know, traveling that distance does kind of mess up your sleep cycle for a while. And now I'm back to normal, but I'm better than back to normal because it's like, you know, I'm sleeping seven or eight hours a night and I wake up refreshed. I don't feel fatigued. It's not hard for me to get out of bed anymore. You know, I'm, I'm sleeping solid because I'm, I'm not in any pain and my feet aren't, you know, all weird and, you know, restless leg syndrome things gone. I'm actually getting quality sleep for the first time in, you know, probably five or six years. That's fabulous. You know, I, that's one of the things, not that I've had difficulty sleeping, but I remember, um, you know, because I'm sleeping a lot better too, because I had the therapy as well, as you know. And I, and yeah, yeah, I just, I sleep so sound without waking up at all. And I, I yeah, it's fantastic. Let me ask a question, um, because you play an instrument, right? Yeah, I play guitar. Okay. So, I mean, you had neuropathy in your hands. So, I mean, have you... I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another really weird thing. You know, it's like I, I was having trouble because it was my uh, right hand where, where I hold a pick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I play, you know, I don't know if you call it punk rock, but, you know, like the pick, like I didn't even know it was between my thumb and forefinger. It would fall out. It, it was very frustrating because mm-hmm. um, I had really no control over my hand whatsoever. But I played guitar for like two hours yesterday. Not a problem. You so, know, I, yeah. I paint and I, I had stopped painting, you know, and it's like I started painting as soon as I got home, basically, you know, because I, I have the control and dexterity of my hand again, which I hadn't had for a pretty long time. Absolutely. That's super cool, Scott, because um, I mean, I'm assuming because uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I paint as well, but I've never played an instrument. But I know if you got good enough at playing an instrument, it's such a big passion and part of your life. And then to be able to have difficulty doing that again at age 52, um, that must must have been hard and now you're back well, at that, it that, yeah. that's like what i was goes back to what i was saying it's like i i was see before i went i was seeing my life deteriorate i mean everything i love to do i love to paint i love to write i love to draw i love to you know play instruments i build instruments so to have all that taken away from me it, it kind of i wasn't the person i was you know it, it was the definition of me was just not there anymore sure and, you know, it's a miserable feeling to lose yourself and to watch you lose yourself is even worse yeah. knowing that you are. So this kind of brought back a lot of, of of life for me. I mean, my hand was at like 50 percent. Now it's at about probably 97 percent. That's super cool, Scott. That just makes me so happy to hear. That's And, yeah. you know, and I didn't even expect to be honest, Eric, I didn't expect it to get that. You know, I didn't expect it to be that quick and I didn't expect it to happen. You know, I thought, well, you know, if it's 10% or 20%, it'll be worth it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if it stops it from getting worse than what it is the day I left, it would be worth it. Wow. But to actually be able to regain, you know, doing the things that I love to do, it's the greatest gift anybody could ever give another human being. I, I can't, you know, it's, it's kind of like almost being speechless, you know, it's like, <laughs> I've been talking about this basically nonstop since I've gotten back. Anybody will listen. <laughs> you so know, like calling you up to do took, a podcast was like no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the guy who took Lisa's blood and when we were in the hospital, he had to hear the whole story. <laughs> but then he stopped and he actually like got out a pen and wrote down the name of your documentary. So it's like, okay. I'm like, go watch this, you know, get educated. And I think that's the biggest problem, at least in America. People just aren't educated. They don't like for some reason they think everything stops at the u.s border yeah and there are there are so many therapies and doctors and and things outside of fda regulation 
that do work. You just got to do what's best for you. Since we're on that again, like I learned so much more, I gained so much more clarity on why I know that it will really never materialize in the United States. And obviously the first one is the abortion issue. And even if, even in the clinical trials in the U.S. where fetal cells are used in a sort of so-called experimental clinical trial, they use only one cell type. So like it'll just use only the brain cell or only the heart cell. Well, like you and I got the whole kitchen sink. Like we were given everything, uh, but different yeah, levels. I got a list of yeah. all the cells they gave me. I asked them for it. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. They're like, we don't normally do this, but we'll give you the list. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like 13 different cells, yeah. you know what I mean? Or 14 yeah. different cells. But get this. So, um, so here's, I'm going to try to make this concise. So, but in the United States, when they do give fetal cells in a clinical trial that's FDA approved, what they do is they're using a cell that's been replicated from a donor like from like a decade or two decades ago. So it's so they don't need new fetal materials. They just pull from this, you know, a stock, a stock of cells that have been sitting there. And what they do is they take the cell in the lab and then they... Uh, replicate it in the lab to create a lot of them from a small amount. And then they inject it into the patient in an American clinical trial. I had, um, I was t- speaking to the lead scientist about this and she was saying like, that this is bad because it's, you're, it's not very effective because you've already exhausted the cell's purpose outside of the human body before injection. And this is also why you hear, yes, we give you so many cc's or millions of cells because we made a lot of them. Well, it doesn't really matter because what you want is the fresh cells injected into the body just in the right amount to then go poof and explode and and replication inside of your body. You don't want it done outside and then shoved in. You want it put in and then explode within. So anyway, so just that alone, because that means all new fresh fetal material would be needed on a daily basis. That'll never fly in the U.S. right there. And then, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the weird thing about it is uh, about a year ago, I was reading an article in a medical journal that said they're trying to make basically faux fetal stem cells they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do this so they can sell them right. as a therapy and it's like well there's so many abortions that happen in the u.s regardless a year why do you need to make a fake version of it to do the same thing that you already have and it was basically because they they needed to figure out how to sell it and patent it yeah. and put a price tag on it and, you know and, what i mean and, so, yeah yeah Mm-hmm. It is interesting if you really close look, look, look closely at it, how the serious stem cell people that are doing the serious research in the U.S. They're all trying to mimic fetal. They're trying to crack that nut, which is kind of impossible <laughs> unless you just use yeah. fetal. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, I used to be a member of a couple of MS groups on Facebook, and since I, I had to leave, like one was a remyelinization using stem cells, which I, you know, I joined the group because I, you know, that kind of was an interest for me. And, uh, basically I, I kind of got into, you know, I was, I was sharing my M cell experience and, you know, some lady from like Montana jumped in and she's like, you're a baby butch. I'm like, lady, I was like, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is science. This is like, you know, this, this can help you don't attack me for, for doing and sharing, you know, my experience. 
Yeah. You know, and, and she's like, these are mesenchymal stem cells. And I was like, yeah, I know what the mesenchymal stem cell is. And she's like, well, you had embryonic stem cells. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Embryonic stem cells are made in a Petri dish. I'm all like, and they cause, you know, benign tumors and can cause cancer. I'm all like, so, you know, don't get into this contest with me because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Um, or someone will tell me, oh, I had that stem cell re- and it, it didn't work. And I'm like, you didn't have done what I had done. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. This is the only place in the world that this is legal. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, it's like a big debate with, with you know, people. And I'm just like, oh, look, I don't want to debate you. This is what I had done. It worked, you know, regardless of what your beliefs are, regardless of whatever, you know, if you want a fighting chance at your saving your own life, do your research. Sure. You know, I mean, I, I can't stress enough to people, you know, do your research. You were one of the ones, Scott, where it's just really just singing for you. It's just humming for you. This is great. You know, I'm really glad to and, see it. And, yeah. and the experience alone, you know, just like I can't say enough about the doctors and the staff there and just how they make you feel and, you know, I was like, this is some rock star shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, sorry that I cursed. No, but no. I mean, yeah. I mean it, that's the only way I can explain it to people. You know, like I, all my friends are musicians, so like they get it. Yeah. Like I said, at three o'clock in the morning or whatever, I was watching, you know, Prime and, you know, suggested for you, the God Cell. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. Oh, that's cool. So you saw it on Amazon Prime, uh, not YouTube. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last movie that Amazon hasn't censored of mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. They they censored uh, one, two, three, four of my other movies. I have five documentaries. They've censored four of them. Yeah. They were on. You know. You, you you broach some subject matter that, you know, people don't want. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I've seen three of them. You mm-hmm. know, I've seen the Endora Hustle now because mm-hmm. it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I saw the guy, the cancer doctor. Brzezinski. The first, yeah. yeah. Brzezinski and the God Cell. And I mean, I mean, some heavy stuff, man. I yeah. mean, it kind of goes against the grain. And, you know, like... Um, but it's like people need to know this. You know what I mean? And I'm all for it. I mean, I love what you do. Thanks. Yeah. When I find a subject to do something to, to explore, I first see if anyone's ever touched it, first of all. Because if somebody's already told the story, then why do you need somebody else telling it? You know? So that when I discovered fetal stem cells and I really understood it, I, I first discovered it in March of 2014. And I spent all of 20, the rest of 2014 researching it. And I didn't turn the camera on until like October 2014 when I started in Mexico. And um, which, of course, long story short, it led me to Ukraine because I just followed the breadcrumbs and realized, you know, where it all came from. But, but uh, it was... I mean, it's the longest I've spent on any subject. Andorra Hustle, like what a bizarre niche story that is still incredibly fascinating, in my opinion, and relevant to the world as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. so. you know but like, like the God Cell, the, the weird thing about it is, is the Mexican clinic... There's a whole lot to that story. I mean, you could do just a story about that. I know. I really thought about it, but it's just a lot of time and resources to... Because I actually considered going there, but, like, you know, the guy who started is dead. Yeah. Um, You know, the guy who robbed the stem cells from, you know... (laughs) Ukraine but the thing is is he was like a 70s health guru I mean that's a story in itself because he was like a pretty big deal in the 70s he was yeah yeah 
So, I mean, it's a very interesting story, but that clinic still still runs. Yeah, it's really sad. I still get emails sometimes from people that went and then realized later it was a, a scam um, or, you know, just like you or they they'll they'll do their research and they will uh, ask them about me and they basically make up each story is different, like some nonsensical story about me. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. And the fact is they don't have fetal stem cells anymore. <laughs> like it's not no, funny. I but, mean, he was like yeah. cloning them in his kitchen or he's trying yeah. to clone them in his kitchen. Yeah. But I mean, he I went to his house once and one of his nurses um, from Mexico I saw her as a cleaning lady in his house in Malibu. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's but, intense. But, yeah, but it also goes back to like what that guy was in the '70s. I mean, he was basically like this medical guru guy to the rich and famous. You know. Yeah, honestly, though, because I got to know him really well, he was just a really good con man. Um, he. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he because he was a medical doctor, quote unquote, but he never practiced medicine in his life. He was a psychiatrist, and he was just really clever at gaming the system. And you know, because he had like a good con man, good confidence man, he was able to game the system. I mean, he was on Merv Griffin as like the Doctor Oz of his time. He was an affiliate of New York and L.A. doing all these kind of like edgy. Uh, medical news stories, which at the time were kind of cool. And then, you know, he parlayed that when that career kind of, because he was then at the, the, towards the tail end, he was on like Geraldo and like really started getting into some weird sleazy subjects um, and like just kind of like for shock value kind of medical stories that really had no real value. But anyway, that's my opinion. And then he just parlayed that when he found out about MSL and, and convinced them because they were still young in the process of their discovery because he was this flashy, you know, millionaire TV doctor yeah. and just went in there and steamrolled them and stole her cells <laughs> and then said, see ya, thanks, and was charging for cells he sold. And it's incredible. It's just absolutely mind-blower. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's a documentary. crazy story. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't make that up. No. You know, it's like ID channel stuff. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's true. Like, it was just absolutely a soap opera. And then you now, can, there's yeah. another, uh, there is actually another, uh, supposedly fetal stem cell place in the Ukraine. And uh, a friend of mine sent me the link to it. And I'm all like, no, 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 no. That's not where you want to go. <laughs> now, yeah. See, there's another story. So there's one called infinity that is, um, I'll just tell you this. They do not harvest their own cells. I think they're closed now though. And then the other one's called UCTC. Now this is also an interesting story because UCTC is founded by the son of Smigadoop. And when Smigadoop passed away, the son said, who had no experience with fetal stem cells whatsoever, and just said, ah, I'm taking over my dad's name and I'm, I'm gonna, uh, you know, take over this therapy. And they went, what? You know, no, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> you're not but doing it's got that his name on it, and he's the guy that basically pioneered it. So, you know, that's why I told him I was like, yeah, his, go to M Cell. His son like, had that's the place. Yeah, his son had nothing to do with the pioneering of it. His father did, and so when you look at their website, it says, "Oh, founded in 1994." And no, that's not true at all. M Cell was founded around then, not UCTC. Um, the son of the founder had nothing to do with this. Um, he just tried to ride the coattails, and like the rest. They don't have the resources or the knowledge to harvest them. 
Um, it's such an operation. Wait till you see the new footage of the, that you saw the building. So the whole fourth yeah. floor is the lab and each uh, room has its own like like circulatory system to avoid cross-contamination. I got to see with my own eyes the actual harvesting. They would not let me film that part. And these people are like essentially in like hazmat suits, you know, harvesting these things. Um, and then I got to witness the testing process and I got to witness a, a positive of hepatitis right in front of me. They're like, ah, we got to throw this away. This is hepatitis. And I got to witness that. I got it all on tape. Um, and this thing, you think the clinic looks like Star Trek. Wait till you see the lab. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And then there's there's Swiss Medica too that promises fetal stem cells until you actually like go to the page and you like do the research and you're like, no, this is not this. Wait, who's this? Uh, you mean Stem Medica? Swiss, Swiss Medica. It's called S W I S S M E D I C A. Hmm. Are they in America or in Switzerland? No, they they have actually like five clinics throughout the world. Okay. Well, once you realize that fetal stem cells is not legal on the books in any country on earth except for Ukraine, that just tells you right there that it's not fetal stem cells. I mean, I've, I've done the research on this. Like, I, I try to extensively to find any place in the world that does this, and it doesn't exist. And no. it just doesn't exist except for and Ukraine. You know, and, and my big question was, well, how did this come to be? You know what I mean? And then, you know, I did a little more research on it and it was like, you know, the government was looking for a way to quell, you know, issues. Well, you, you know, know how it came to be, right? In, a, in Ukraine? Well, originally I heard it was because of Chernobyl. Yeah, that's but, kind of like how it stemmed, but yeah. You know, and that's and they didn't really know what they were kind of signing into or signing on for. They just wanted to stop like the birth defects and the, the horrible effects well, of the Chernobyl accident. Well, these guys had already been working on this. They had already realized its potential before Chernobyl. And, but Chernobyl, because it was such a tragedy and it is such a disaster and in the U Ukraine region, it sort of, they were kind of right place, right time. All the health regulations were loosened up tremendously. And their very, very first patient they ever treated, which I did kind of briefly, briefly show at the end of the God Cells, um, it was just the family was on Skype. None of them spoke English, had a plastic anemia, which is bone marrow failure when he was like seven because his parents bought radiated milk from a milk farm radiated by Chernobyl. And so he was living off of blood transfusions, waiting for a bone marrow transplant, and they injected this kid with fetal liver cells and cured him. Um, He's and, still and, alive. Oh, yeah, he has his own wife and kid now. Yeah, his own kid himself, yeah. So, no, it's incredible. He never had any other therapy since then. And this is somebody that was yeah. waiting. Gonna, the only survival chance was bone marrow transplant. Avoided that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. So obviously it wasn't hard to convince the Ukraine Ministry of Health because they had more cases and more cases they could present. Um, and then, boom, the law was written into, into place. Um, it was, again, right place, right time. There's just no law in the books anywhere on earth where this is legal. <laughs> this Seriously. So anybody I that's right. I tell people yeah. that all the time. I'm like, you know, this is it. This is the only place on the face of this planet that you can have this done. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I was like, they've been doing it for a really long time. You know, it's like, you know, and, I, and people are like, well, what if it comes to America? And I was like, we got to realize is even if tomorrow in America, somebody said, OK, we're going to do this. You're already 30 years behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're going to be playing catch up forever. Yeah. Because, the, I mean, you know, I've seen that clinic. I can only imagine what, what the, their lab looks like and the brain trust that, that works there. You know, I mean, it's like these people have been doing it for so long and understand it so well that even if it was legal somewhere else, it's like, how do you get people up to speed to, to understand how this actually works? My whole point in making these movies is to people like yourself see it and hopefully it helps 
Isn't there a fetal stem cell uh, committee in California? Well, it's called CIRM, C-I-R-M. It's not fetal. Yeah. It's it's all stem cells. They're, they're stem cell agnostic, as they say. And I, I profiled them in my first documentary about this. Um, and I talked to them about fetal. Uh, they wouldn't speak to it on camera. But, you know, they said, of course, we know that's the most powerful one. But it's just off the table in the United States. We, it's it's just not an option. So it's not fetal at all. Um, they're, no, it's it's... They're, but they're also kind of failing, sadly. I've, it's kind of sad because I think they were all good and well-intended people that uh, got you know taxpayer money matched by private funding to get a law passed based on a vote to get this thing going. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, sad. Cause like my doctor said, you know, stem cells basically are the future of medicine. So, like, either somebody's got to figure it out or, you know, it's going to continue to be the way it is here. And yeah. that's really sad because people are suffering that don't really need to. Yeah. But the problem is, is that it's a square peg and a round hole when it comes to stem cells, because you're trying to introduce this incredible innovation using biology instead of chemicals to treat uh, ailments when the entire system relies upon the chemical based patent based system to sustain itself. So you can't introduce this new thing, again, square peg, round hole, when you're gonna wipe out the existing system. I have a couple friends in Las Vegas who have MS who are following, you know, my whole journey because everybody's everybody's waiting to see what happens with me. You know what I mean? That's always the case. I've seen this happen so many times, yeah. And I'm okay with it, you know, yeah. and I, you know, it's like, I tell them, I call them, I said, man, I feel fantastic. I was like, if, if you can do this, if you can put together the money to do this, do it. It will change your life. Yeah. If you think about it, not that we even need to go here, but like you saw that building, what would you guess that thing cost? I don't know. I mean, what, $10 million, $20 million. Oh, oh easily, <laughs> easily. So like, I mean, cause I know it was a new construction too. I mean, right. you know, from the white marble floors to, you know, I mean, <laughs> It's just stupid crazy, you yeah. know. I mean, it's it's off the chain. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's like like I said, it's it's rock star shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because the day that Lisa didn't go to the clinic with me because she wasn't feeling well, mm-hmm. I was sitting in my room, you know, and they don't give you those stupid ass out gowns like they do at the hospital. You know, you got this big fluffy bathrobe and yeah. slippers, and you know everything is like. It's like staying at the Four Seasons, basically. And I'm sitting there in this room, and I'm looking around, and I'm all like, how did I get so lucky, for one? And I was like, two, I I felt like, you know, I was Axl Rose, you know, or something. (laughs) You know, I was just like... You know, it's also interesting, though, on the I was on the fourth floor when I saw the cells being harvested. I was uh, told, I said, you know, that's, I can't remember her name, but she said she's been here since the very beginning. She's the lead harvester since the 90s. So they have the same, wow. uh, yeah, like worked under Smigadoop, you know, back in those days. I mean, Let me ask you a question. I'm speaking, yeah. did they give you the injection in the butt? Yeah, I got three of them. Oh, okay. Did, okay. Some, at least one of them were uh, sort of like specifically for men uh, with a male reproductive, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. notice any changes in your libido after you got back? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I mean, those were those deep muscular shots. Yeah. You know, they go in pretty far, but I didn't feel any of them. But I was just curious because um, yeah. we're both guys um, because that's yeah, I guess that's one of the first things as soon as I got back I went up oh, here it comes again you know yeah it's it's <laughs> pretty crazy you know I it was funny because the next day um, I actually woke up with an erection which you know you don't do after like you're 25 years old you know what I mean <laughs> right and I was and I was just like 
Well, especially um, since you've had neuropathy. Um, so you're, yeah, you know, in the hands of And, and I had narrowing of the blood. You know, I had arterial sclerosis. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you know, but the bruising, like I said, the bruising on my foot, because you have a lot of small blood vessels on your foot and from mm-hmm. slamming it down with drop foot, mm-hmm. one side of my foot was almost completely black, you know, because the blood vessels would break and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's gone completely. Yeah, that's awesome, Scott. That's super awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like I said, I, there's not enough. You know, I mean, it should probably be double what they charge. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what? It's the funny thing is, is that like the clinics in Panama with subpar cells do charge more than double. I mean, a lot of these other clinics, even in America, they charge way more than what they're charging for subpar stem cell therapies. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, you know what? I, I It's definitely worth every penny of it. You know, I mean, I just, yeah. and I mean, Technically, the flight and, you know, the hotel. And, I mean, I stayed at a five-star hotel. It wasn't like I stayed at, like, you know, the Microtel Inn or something. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, 24-hour room service, kitchen, you know, concierge. Whatever you could possibly ever want. There's a pool, a spa, massage, everything in this hotel. It's yeah. an amazing hotel. Yeah. It was uh, $455 for seven days. Yeah. Wow, that is, they must have lowered their prices tremendously because of COVID because. Oh, I mean, I didn't get the balcony room because the balcony room is like almost double what I paid, Mm -hmm. but I had the room in the back, which was fine because I had a view of the Gold Dome, Gold Dome Church. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, uh, you know, I mean, it was a king size bed, you know, full wall panel TV, you know, it was gorgeous. Marble shower. You know, it was a gorgeous hotel. And I mean, for for that price, I was like, really? (laughs) I know. I know. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's just like being in any large metropolitan city in Europe, you know, whether you're in Paris or Rome or whatever, um, you know. It's an amazing place. You know, I mean, it's funny. I I, I had a thing about it. I said, you know, like when the bill comes and it's like 15,000 UAH and you start sweating and then you realize, oh, that's like $52. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And meanwhile, you know, you've, you've had a bottle of wine and like, you know, two steaks and a shrimp salad and, you know, like all this like gourmet food and you're all like, oh. Yeah. Okay. It's been such a pleasure, Scott. Uh, it's you know, oh, yeah. It's part of the fun too. Doing this is I get to meet a lot of fun new people that we would have normally never met, and uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, that we actually did meet. And uh, who knows, we might. I'd love to stay in touch with you and hear about the neurologist's response. And who knows, we might be there again together next year. For all we know, you know. Absolutely, you yeah. know, and uh, keep painting. Oh, I am. But your paintings are amazing, you know. Don't ever like stop doing it. I'm not gonna ever stop doing it. No, no, no. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, I just I wish I could have more time to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, don't worry. I still have I have I have them all over the house. I have an, an easel downstairs with my table just ready to get at it again. I have three pieces I'm working on now. I kind of bounce between pieces, um, you know. It's like the cult of Eric Marola, you know, because of the God cells. But I, I think these people need to like know that you're an amazing accomplished painter. You know, Thanks. Because it's because I, I think you know people kind of skim over that, you know, and they see you as a director and you know uh, an advocate for for stem cells and 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 that's that's fine in itself. That's amazing enough. But it's like you're such a talented painter that I, I think people need to go look at that. I appreciate that very much. And also, it's interesting on that subject. A lot of people don't realize that I've done four other documentaries as well. They just think that this is all I do. And I guess I can see why they would think that. But uh, anyway, yeah. Well, they should yeah. go watch them too because I've seen you know three out of the five, I guess, and you know they're all 
it's it's good stuff you know it's it, it makes if nothing else it'll make you think yeah yeah <laughs> you know people need to open their minds yeah yeah all right eric all right buddy well give my best to lisa i hope she uh is doing okay and uh let's just stay in touch you know whatsapp me email me you know just stay in touch give me any updates and, for sure uh, well en- enjoy your trip back uh, I will. I will. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know if you're not on my mailing list or if you don't like see me on Facebook or whatever, but I'll be posting after this trip a lot of new footage that I filmed. I want to, because we have YouTube, I'm going to put a lot of footage online in long form, like the whole lab tour, my whole interview with the lead scientist and uh, yeah, stuff like that. All right, Eric, uh, have safe travel, man. And I'll talk to you when you get back. Sounds good, Scott. Awesome. Keep me updated. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Peace. That was episode 14 of the God Sells podcast. If you or anyone you know listening to this podcast or watched the God Sells documentary or any of the material I have released following fetal stem cell technology, and you have a question, you are welcome to email me at eric at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A dot com. Definitely email me if you are interested in being in Ukraine for therapy while I am also there this July 18 through 24 or later this September. Who knows? You could end up in my new documentary. But of course, it's not a requirement. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about this technology regardless. Don't forget to follow me and this series on my Eric Marola YouTube channel, The God Sells YouTube channel, as well as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter or just sign up to my mailing list. Until next time, I'm Eric Marola.